It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. We call this our Scattered Thunderstorm season, as we release one episode each week in anticipation of our exciting winter daily podcast series starting January 17th. To learn more about our training programs or to support this podcast, visit ellerslie.com. Well, Eric, I'm so excited to be back in the studio with you after five months of uh, being in the chapel. So this is exciting. This is really fun, and it's good to see you. It is. It's fun to just sort of come back into this place. This is a we have a lot of good memories uh, in this studio, and I think it was really fun last year in the winter spring for us to sort of cultivate that. And I know a lot of the people that listen to Daily Thunder really enjoyed the studio discussion because it's very different in feel to That's the very stage. True. And I think they also felt like they could stay up with this, with what we were doing a little better. Because usually when we're in studio, it's shorter. Conceptually, at least. Conceptually. <laughs> <laughs> Which is maybe a good segue, too. Uh, we just came out of a, a big training season. Mm-hmm. So we had a summer semester and a week long and then a five-week fall semester. And they were incredibly powerful. I actually oh, yeah. think what God's been doing this last year, I think with the preparation of soul because of the craziness of culture and COVID mm-hmm. and all, all that, that there's just a greater hunger in our students. Um, you want to give a quick overview just, if you want to talk about the training season, but even just the series that we walked yeah. through in da- Daily Thunder recently? Well, I think it's it's been a very full and intense season for you and me because of the amount of preparation. the Our leadership and the sort of the draw on who we are as, uh, as men uh, is pretty intense uh, over the training season, but delightfully so. I think we really enjoy it, uh, even though there's those moments where we're like, Dear Lord, <laughs> can I keep going? <laughs> this last week I had 10 messages that I prepared. 10. I mean, I, and that's not abnormal in our world to have that much that we're constantly pre- prepping. And we're just trying to compete with Spurgeon. Is, really, is that I think, what it is? I think secretly yeah, that's the plan. Secretly. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, we actually love it. I think you and I have compared notes on this. Is even though you could go to grumble mode uh, in that it is, we don't go there because of how enriching it is to have that much excuse to study and to dig and to prep and to form ideas and to bring about a clear conviction. Most people don't have that luxury and and we do. And it is something to rejoice over and give thanks for. Uh, But this this, uh, summer and fall training season, uh, I think was a new beginning for us in, a, in another way, and that is we're still doing Daily Thunder, but we are sort of apportioning seasons now a little differently. Like over the summer, we had seven weeks, and that's the five-week training, and then we have an alumni uh, summit for a week, and then we have an alumni extension, but it's seven weeks. And so you prepared a series for those seven weeks, and I prepared a, a series for those seven weeks. Mine was on Alfred, King Alfred, so spiritual lessons from Alfred the Great, and yours was, uh, I know, shocker on Ephesians. Actually, the summer one was the uh, spiritual mindset from oh, that's Philippians. Right. I just but, presumed but I, that you. Always I, I have are been right. Ephesians for so long. It, yeah, that it's doesn't like make, it always is Ephesians. And I am. I mean, I you know, I just finished the series right. in Ephesians, so um, that would make sense. I remember that. Yeah, that was excellent too. And then in the fall, I did uh, my series, which I just finished up, uh, I mean, this last week, which was Daring to Do with Stanley Dale, which is about the uh, 30 years or so of missionary exploits and adventures to the island of Papua New Guinea. And it was just stirring as all get out. 
and uh, I've already and, and ex- I was finishing yeah, I've already exposed Ephesians what you chapter did. three that final yeah. prayer. Uh, and by the way, your, that mission series was so powerful. Mm. I mean, it was it, so powerful. It was really rich and. So, but we do have people that are still stuck in our summer uh, series. (laughs) Like I haven't even gotten through summer yet. I have some people that are still in my World War II series. And, you know, I I think some people could, I don't think it's a complaint, but it's like, we can't stay up with you guys. And uh, that's sort of, you know, for us, the last thing we want to do is be spending all our energy and have people be like, ah, I can't listen to it anyways. In other words, what we do, we want it to be efficient. If I was going to throw you a tennis ball, I'd want you to catch it, right? So what do I do? I throw one at a time instead of 10 at a time. And, you know, if I throw 10 at you and you drop all of them, what good is it? But if I throw one and you catch it, hey, that's at least good. And so we're sort of reformatting our strategy. And that is that we have four training seasons, like four Daily Thunder, where we go through a series. And so our upcoming, our next series is going to be, I'm sorry, December, it's January. Middle of January, January 17th. January 17th, we start. We don't know exactly what that's going to be, but it's going to be that seven-week stretch, God willing, the same as we've done through the summer and the fall. And it's going to be good. That's the one thing we can guarantee. It's going to be really good. Well, that is a great feedback we've heard from people on the series. It's just been, to have one thought that we keep hitting over and over, I mean, technically it's two thoughts because you have yours and I have mine. But there's just something about walking through a series that's really powerful. Um, and I actually, I've actually found it to be incredibly fun and invigorating yeah. just to have that one thought uh, for Daily Thunder. So I'm really excited about having that that summer, the fall, the winter, and a spring series. And then in between, we're kind of doing, well, this time we're doing this. Do yeah. you want to explain what these next 12 weeks What's are going to look like? I was like? going to say, do you want to explain what these next 12 <laughs> weeks are like? Instead? Oh, I'll be happy to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so these next 12 weeks then, uh, we decided that to give people time to get caught up on past series and and be able to just to almost take a breath in in a sense. Yeah. Um, so instead of releasing one every single day, it's more like scattered thunderstorms instead of daily thunder. You know? <laughs> Intermittent showers. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Where we're just going to release one a week. Where we're actually going to walk through a series together here in the studio, but it's going to be in one sense a preparation, but almost a leaning into the next series that we're going to be doing in January. So once a week, release on Mondays, we're going to be releasing this series that we're calling A Thousand Daily Deaths, which goes to this idea of, there's that great quote that the road to martyrdom, and of course we esteem, you know, a martyr's death around here, this full givenness to Jesus Christ. But the road to martyrdom is paid with a thousand daily deaths, that it's the daily decisions and it's a daily living that is so important if you actually want to end well. And so, and I love our subtitle. It's just this idea of, okay, 12 truths that Christians need right now. That's right. And we live in a crazy season yeah. of this COVID generation, darkness, weird politics and economy. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this is going to be really impactful and important to listeners of just, okay, what are 12 key things that we as believers need to be walking in practically for this season in which we live? And I think for all of us, including you and me, as we're going through this, None of us as Christians are immune in the sense of being impacted and facing, you know, the, that quizzical moment, you know, where you're like, I don't know what we're supposed to do. When we f- first started the COVID lockdown stuff, I remember having that thought. It's like, I don't know what's going on in the world. I don't know what's true. I don't know what's actually medically true, what's scientifically true with what we're dealing with. But we have real impact around us. It's affecting our lives. It's affecting our churches. It's affecting our ministry. I mean, we had to send our students home from Ellerslie. That's weird. <laughs> and 
but we need wisdom at every juncture in our life. There are tools that we draw on. Some of us don't have the tools in our tool bag, uh, but sort of like the MacGyver sort of thing spiritually, we need to know how to draw out of what we have been given, which is, according to scripture, sufficient for all things pertaining to life and godliness. But what are those things? And if you don't have them in your tool bag, we want to get them in the tool bag. So it's sort of like we're, we're saying, okay, this is the ultimate toolkit, the ultimate tool bag for the times in which we live. We want to go through 12 things. There could be a lot more than that. But these are, these are really good things that we've sort of mapped out over the next 12 weeks. Yeah, and, I'm very excited about mm-hmm. it. Well, actually, why don't we just dive in and get that paper clip and the rubber band for your MacGyver <laughs> toolkit here. Uh, I want to read a passage. I think it will just lay a foundation. We're, we want to talk about unity in the body. This yes. idea of, you know, there's this beautiful idea of even with a symphony that a symphony, they have all these different instruments mm-hmm. that are playing, and yet they all have the same song. Yeah. They may have different parts. They may have different, you know, uh, they might have a rise here, and this person may be quieter here and mm-hmm. flip-flopped around in, in the song, and yet there's one song being sung. And yeah. I think in the body of Christ, our song is Jesus. Yeah. And yet we look at the body today, and it's so splintered and so just going crazy, uh, especially in this COVID season, which I want to get into. But I, I want to lay a foundation. Uh, this passage has been so convicting to me over the last maybe year. But in John chapter 17, Jesus has left the upper room. Uh, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's given this high priestly prayer. And he's praying to the Father, which you you hear the intimacy of Christ, uh, just this intimacy that he has with the Father. But listen to what he says in John 17, verse 21. He's praying. He says, to the Father, that they may be one, speaking of the disciples, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. And then he says down in verse 23, I and them and you and me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you have sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Hmm. It's really interesting to me that Twice, Jesus says that the whole purpose of unity in the body is so that the world will know that the Father sent Jesus. Hmm. And it's interesting when you when you look at the modern landscape, especially with denominationalism and what's going on with with the vaccine stuff. We don't have unity. That's right. Which means biblically, according to Jesus, hmm. the world will not know that the Father sent Jesus. Yeah. The world will not see the the true reality of Jesus Christ because yeah. we, as the body, are splintered. Yeah. Over the last few weeks, you have been preaching a series on what we've called the vaccine dilemma. Mm-hmm. And so far, there's been three parts, and who knows, there could be 20 I, I, at this I point. I haven't even wanted to do one part, let alone three. <laughs> it's not necessarily my favorite thing to discuss. So, But they've been really powerful. And in fact, if someone hasn't listened to those, I'd encourage you know, our listeners to go back and listen to those, those messages because you're outlining we're in the middle of a dilemma as the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And it, is, it isn't even so much... Do you take the vaccine or do you not take the vaccine? There's actually even a greater issue. Yeah. Will you flesh that out, especially in light of this idea of unity? Yeah. I think uh, we have a tendency to make, and we're famous for this as Christians, especially conservative Christians. We make small issues our issue, the big issue. So we end up clouding Jesus to preserve small issues, just like the Pharisees. They were the conservatives of their day. And they had the scriptures, I mean, and they knew them, and they knew them well, and they crucified the one they reveal. Hmm. And the last thing we want to do is crucify the one that we're called to reveal. But in a sense, we're diminishing the one we are called to reveal 
when we allow for a denominational attitude to rule us. And in the church today, this vaccine, which was not sponsored by the church, not like the church went out and said, hey, uh, give us a vaccine. Hey, give us a mandate for this. It's, it, that wasn't the church's sponsor. And however, the church in a culture like this can easily be played. There's a politically political correctness about it, but there's also fear that gets mixed in and there's a lot of preference. So we could have three different things that can play us right now. Fear, and the Bible has a very clear rule on fear, don't have it. <laughs> in other words, if you're being ruled by fear, you're making decisions on fear, whether that's to get the vaccine because you're afraid of COVID or whether that's not to get the vaccine because you're afraid of the vaccine. Both are very real things today in the body of Christ. That shouldn't be affecting or infecting our decision-making processes. That's not what we're ruled by. Secondly, preference. We have a lot of preference. And the American, we're in America right now. And in America, we're almost used to having preference as our lead thing. It's like Americanism. What is Americanism? Your preference, you get. You know, when you want cereal, you have, what, 400 options in the cereal aisle? I don't know. I just made up the number. I don't know if it's that many. But there's a lot, okay? Most of us would agree. I've never seen so many options as a cereal aisle in America. And we, we if they're missing our particular option, we could be a little miffed over that. And right now, we could easily have that lead us in the decision over the vaccine thing as opposed to the word of God. There's a third option that is conviction. Conviction needs to be formed from the understanding of the word of God, the spirit of God, and our th something called conscience inside of us. And these are that's a reasonable thing to lead us through this is conviction. And yet we have very strong convictions in the body of Christ over this, which can play to a division. For instance, one really strong pastor in Canada uh, gave a statement, it came in my inbox, and it was this, to be Pro-life is to be pro-vaccine. Now, even when I say that, there's people in this audience who are like, that are offended by that, right? And there's other people like, amen, amen. Then another pastor, I mean, it was like the next day, okay? It's just amazing that I would get these things while I was working on a message called The Vaccine Dilemma. And it was to be pro-life is to be anti-vaccine. And you know what? I understand both sides. If you genuinely feel that this vaccine is a preservative, even given by God, it's like his grace poured out upon this world to preserve us from the effects of a, uh, a dangerous virus. Well, then to, to get the vaccine would be to preserve life. I could, I could understand. I could get in that person's shoes. If you think that the vaccine in its production is, you know, it's using fetal cell lines. It's, you know, it's a derivative of an abortion back in 1972. We can't support that. To be anti-vaccine is to be pro-life. I can understand that. However, here's my bigger issue. And I've said this multiple times. It sort of upsets people, I think, because they're like, Eric, where do you stand on this? I told you where I stand. I'm not pro-vaccine. I'm not anti-vaccine. I'm pro-body of Christ. This is being played against the body of Christ to splinter us. There are churches right now that are not allowing people that are not vaccinated in. You show your vaccine passport, you can come to church. And I, I would say, you've got to be kidding. You could even disagree with someone because they haven't gotten the vaccine. But our, our alliance as Christians is not based on vaccine or no vaccine. And there are others that sort of give the cold shoulder and the, you know, the haughty, arrogant look of condemnation and incredulity when you get the vaccine and they feel that you've compromised and you've sold out. You're a Judas. 
And I would say, whoa, 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 we're in dangerous territory when we begin to behave this way as the, as the body of Christ. That's what denominationalism starts with in the first place. And you and I are very passionate about doing what? Squashing denominationalism. I mean, Amen. Paul's entire book of 1 Corinthians is a denouncement of denominationalism and that we could all use it to support our denominations. And so for you and I, this is a very, very deep well, and we see it, we feel it. We feel the fragility of the body of Christ because we have so many people from around the world that come here and they are being tested on this exact point. And there, you know, there's someone who has a big influence in a church system, it's an entire denomination, that is not allowed to continue in their role because they haven't gotten the, the vaccine. And that is, that's a very strange thing when the church itself is saying, look, you can't participate with us unless you have this conclusion on this issue. But the body of Christ has to have that law of liberty in place where we have an allowance for different instrumentation in the symphony, which is what you're bringing up is we're all playing the same music. But the fact that I'm playing the tuba and you're playing the bongos over here, you cannot say anyone who doesn't play the tuba is doing it wrong. And that's the delicacy of what we're doing. We need to know what to ally on, which is the same music, which is Jesus. But we also know what to not break over. And that is the different instrumentation. The fact that if we were to pick up the, the issue of war and, you know, is it okay to carry a gun or to use a gun, uh, to bear arms? There are some Christians that in their conscience, and they have good reasons for it, are non-resistance. Okay, And you have some that would say, well, I, I wouldn't do it typically, but if there was ever a just war, like there was Hitler out there and I was called upon as a citizen of a country, yeah, I'd submit to my government and I would bear arms. And there's other people that are maybe a little too overeager to bear arms. They don't really need a good reason like Hitler. They just believe that, yes, Christians are in a position to deal with evil in this culture. Hey, give me arms to bear. And they all have their reasonable space in the body of Christ, but we have a tendency to divide instead of unite because we're all after the same thing, and that is the glory of Jesus in this generation. Could you even maybe flesh that out one degree more in terms of, in other words, we as the body of Christ need to be unified. In fact, so unified, I mean, the convicting statement in, in John 17 for me is that the unity of the body needs to be on the same level of unity that Jesus had with the Father. Now, I don't know how much more unified you can get than the triune God himself. Amen. In other words, there is, there is no room for splintering and no room yeah. for that bickering, just that animosity thing. Yeah. So that, that's intense and that's convicting because if Ephesians 2 says that he's broken every wall of barrier, that division wall of barrier between us, that he took two groups, the Jews and the, the Gentiles who hated each other mm -hmm. and yet made them one, how much more? And yet, again, you look at the scope of, uh, especially uh, America, but around the world, all these little divisions, because the moment I disagree with you, well, I'll just, rather than having reconciliation and mm -hmm. life and unity, mm -hmm. I pull back and just do my own little thing over here. Mm -hmm. So that begs a the question then, what do we then need to divide on? In other words, mm -hmm. this is not a, well, then we just accept everything under yeah. the blanket of That's right. unity and love. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> this isn't a, all right, everything goes and sin doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And so... Obviously, we need to unify on Christ mm -hmm. and the Word of God and, and the centrality of that. But are there things that—I'll uh, flip the question. What, what, are the, what are the things we never divide over? Mm -hmm. Or we will divide—maybe I'm just asking this question weird, but it's like there are certain things that we will divide over because they are yeah. central, and there are things that should never divide us. Yeah. And those are the peripheral things. Yeah. Could you even just break those two sure. into pieces? Yeah, and I, I can give just some samples of what the historic body of Christ— 
has united over and what they've uh, what they refuse to divide over. In other words, when you take uh, the Word of God in text, the foundation of all of our reasoning flows from that book. So the moment you begin to diminish it and say that's just the words of men, you you have something that literally is a bedrock point to the entire function, to the entire construction of the church and each individual Christian and the body of Christ itself, right? This is how the house is built. It's built upon this book. And so when you diminish the godness of the word of God in text, it's a big deal, okay? And that's something that you can't stand with. That's that's a an isolation point just right there, a division point right there that's actually a healthy one. Now, if you take the word of God, the, that book reveals the word of God made flesh, Jesus. And if you diminish the godness of Jesus, now you've suddenly diminished our Savior and brought him down to the level of a man, which he is. He's 100% man, but he's also 100% God. And it's critical that he is God because his work on the cross needs to be a God work. And so the moment you diminish the man Jesus down to just mere man and, and remove his godness is a divisive point historically in the body of Christ because he is only able to save as God. He's only able to be perfect and our righteous offering in our stead as God in that skin. And so as a result, our entire infrastructure of truth, of salvation, is thrown into a quandary, which is why we as the body of Christ stand very firm on what we call the word of God. The word of God in text, the word of God in person, the word of God in action, the cross, this is the basis upon what we believe. Now we can extend it beyond that, and there are some other key things that really create an alliance of believers. You could say the word of God in us. You know, if someone says, I can do this in my own strength, okay, we'd say, well, that isn't how it works. Now, I might not be rude to them and just say, hey, I'm going to throw you out. However, I'm going to appeal very strongly that the only way you can do this is with the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot live out the Christian life just with your own intellect, your own natural ability. You need God to save you, you know, both from eternal uh, damnation and to save you from the lusts of your flesh right now. You need Jesus. And then also the commission. We are not the word of God through us. We could say it that way, that we are called to go into the world and to share this message with the world. Anyone that diminishes that is diminishing the core motive of the body of Christ. Now, you go outside of that, you take the vaccine, and I would say that is so far removed from our core purpose as the church of, hey, we need to get the vaccine or not get the vaccine. And that's where the devil's trying to place it. He's trying to place it as a center issue that this is a reasonable thing to divide over. And I would say, not on your life, O church, should you divide over that. One of my, one of the things I would say is you should get into the skin of those that are in a, a really challenging situation and love them through it. If you believe that everyone should get the vaccine and one of your good friends doesn't, isn't getting it because he has a moral conviction over it, love him in that moral conviction because he cannot violate his conscience and don't try and coerce him to do that. And that's what's bothering me today is we're not recognizing that this is a conscionable issue for a lot of people and we're overriding it. Some people are getting it because they genuinely in their conscience feel that they need to get to this foreign country as a missionary to share the gospel. So what do they need to do? They need to get the vaccine. Well, stand with them, O oh anti-vaxxer, who thinks that it would be a criminal activity or you're siding with the devil to get the vaccine. They're siding with the Spirit of God to bring the gospel to this lost and dying people. And so I am very, very guarded and protected for the integrity of the body in this hour. That's so beautiful. Eric, could you just give a, like a final commission? In other words, if, if I'm listening to you talk through this, okay, I, I see the benefit of the unity 
but what does it mean practically? Could you give like a commission to us individually as a, as a almost as a as an outflow of this yeah. whole concept? I'm saying if if you have allowed this to become a divisive issue in your soul, I would say very simply, you need to make that right with God. And you need to make it right with anyone that you have wronged in this. I think for the body of Christ to begin to recover from this, we all need to take ownership personally of our own attitude in and through this. And we can't be played like the the devil's banjo. Uh, We can't just let him pluck us around. And he has an agenda in this, and that's to splinter us. And God has an agenda, and that's to unite us. It might sound strange to unite even with differing conclusions. Like, what do you mean playing the tuba? Everyone plays the, the bongos. And yet they may sound very different, but they all play a role in playing that one sheet music known as Jesus Christ and his glory. And so as a result, we may land slightly different, but we are of one mind, one spirit, and one purpose when it comes to why we're playing that instrument. We're doing this for him. Amen. Eric, I'm so excited for this upcoming series. I think it's going to be fun. Amen. Amen. Well, we'll see you next time. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. To learn more about our training programs or to support this podcast, visit us at ellerslie.com. Thanks for listening.